0: If I told you half the things I've heard about this Jabba Hut,
1: you'd probably shouldn't have been. been <laughs> Hello, Blabba fans. And you are very welcome to a special Lost Episode.
0: Illustrious Jabba bids you welcome, and will gladly pay you the reward of twenty-five
2: thousand. So the only thing that you can tell me is that I will find Jabba at Jabba's palace.
1: This is episode twenty-nine, and you're listening to Blabba the Hut. I'm your host, Kate, joined by host Gary, and we're very excited to finally bring this episode to the air. It was a very cool episode to record, and I just realized I haven't said who it's about. It's a name you may be familiar with, Kevin Kiner. So Gary, most Star Wars fans will know who he is, but do you want to give us a bit of a background before we play the interview?
3: Yeah, I think it's pretty much safe to say if you don't know who Kevin Kiner is, you've probably been living under a rock for God knows how long. I mean, we're talking about a multi Emmy Award nominated composer who has worked on so many different projects and has a, you know, a a career that most composers could only dream of. He will of course be known for his incredible work on Star Wars The Clone Wars, which was just absolutely sensational. But also he did a little bit of work on the likes of Peacemaker. He of course did The Bad Batch. He was involved with uh, Narcos. He was involved with Titans. And he was also involved with uh narcos mexico if i remember right
1: wow crazy
3: and of course we would be a miss kate if we didn't mention a a personal favorite of ours star wars rebels
1: beautiful some very memorable music came from that one i mean for both of us this was really just such an incredible experience to get to interview someone like kevin
3: This was truly a dream interview for us. It really and truly was. And if we're being honest, it came completely out of the blue. We didn't think there was a chance that it was ever going to happen. But when it did, we were pretty speechless. And we did tell some people close to us that we knew. And everybody seemed to be just delighted for us because it is one of the biggest interviews we have ever done. I mean... We're talking about somebody who has been on the world stage for a long, long time at the peak of their powers and just, you know, has has a career that anybody would dream of and is somebody who is admired by all. So for us, it was just an incredible experience and one that I'm so thankful for that we were able to do. And it was an absolute pleasure of an interview.
1: I wonder if we should put a disclaimer in here right now that this was recorded a bit ago. It's been a minute. So if there's any references or things like that, just keep that in mind.
3: Yeah, effectively we went to the World Between Worlds and jumped through another uh, portal. So this is uh, this is coming to you now from the past.
1: There you go. It's like time travel. Timey-wimey. Oh yeah. And without further ado, why don't we go ahead and play the interview?
3: We are delighted to say that the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Kevin Kiner has been kind enough to come and have a chat with myself and key Kevin you are very welcome to of the Hut, and thank you for taking the time
2: to talk to us. How are you. Oh, uh, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm really well.
3: Um, Kevin we had questions in from all over um, social media so we'll try and get through a couple of them as best we can, but I suppose that there is only one place to start. And that is, of course, the success then of the final season of The Clone Wars and eventually entering into The Bad Batch. So if you could take us back a little bit, Kevin Forsey, what was your reaction when you found out we were finally getting to finish The Clone Wars, that that chapter was going to be uh, completed?
2: Well, just like everyone associated uh, with the show, I was just delighted because, as you know, the show didn't get to really end. The way uh even George Lucas had planned it and certainly you know Dave Filoni had an uh, an entire uh out- outline that was supposed to happen and so we were a, a bit bummed about that um but then Rebels was a ton of fun so that was really great to work on um and then you know I was kind of wondering what's going to happen at the end of Rebels and and they told me it's oh it's it's Clone Wars season 7 and <laughs> I'm like oh that's that's even better than a new show, really. In a way, just to be able to finish that, and uh, y- yeah, it was just really cool.
3: And to give people a perspective on the sort of timelines, Kevin, we had Clone Wars running from the movie in two thousand eight, and then Clone Wars season one to six running through twenty eighteen to twenty fourteen. We didn't get Clone Wars season seven until you know twenty twenty. What was it like going back into the studio to finish that project? Did it feel like you'd never been away or did you have new discoveries to make?
2: Um, I personally have a really terrible memory. Uh, so I had to go back and research themes I had written um, so it definitely did not feel like i just never left the studio. It felt like I'd been away a very long time and possibly another composer had written this because I didn't remember some of the things I had done. Um, so I had to I had to really kind of do research myself, I guess. and uh, uh, it was it, it was really neat though because I'm like, oh, I forgot about that theme. I could use that. Um, even I think Rex's theme, I, I'd kind of forgotten that and um i hadn't really forgotten the clones theme but i didn't get to use it as much as i wanted to in the season one through six and i i used it a lot more in season seven
3: it, it must have been an amazing experience kevin to go back and you know finally finish that out but then to have the follow on from the bad batch what was that like when you found out
2: you you mean follow on the bad batch after clone yes. wars yeah you, you know that was really interesting um I, I don't remember exactly. I kind of think I was still on Clone Wars and I started hearing rumblings. And I, I'm pretty sure, I, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure I was told, hey, pay attention to this, you know, bad batch theme because we're going to need it for another show. Um, and that's why that theme is i i mean we we paid a lot of attention to that and uh, that's why it is as as long as it is you know if if those were just characters that were only going to be in one episode i don't think the theme would have been fleshed out as well as it was
3: and it was and and it was a great introduction to these characters but Kevin based on the early reaction and this is something that I'd like to get your take on from sort of your perspective how was your approach from scoring Clone Wars versus the Bad Batch now I know we're only two episodes in but sort of the early reaction and feeling that we have been getting is that it looks like Clone Wars but in terms of tonality and style it feels almost
2: closer to Rebels in a way well I don't I mean, it's not consciously closer to Rebels. Rebels evolved, um, and, and I kind of was evolving. Uh, Rebels started out being very John Williams uh, uh, because we kind of all went back and rewatched uh, A New Hope at the beginning of Rebels. And, you know, we never really explored John Williams' music that intensely in terms of verbatim using all of his themes and we did that a bit more quite a bit more in the first season of rebels but then i think after the first season it started to feel like well we've sort of used these a lot we need to we need to go forward now again in rebels and we do we we started introducing synthesizers a bit and and being more like what I call modern film score, which is just really kind of the zeitgeist of what's going on now. You know, with, with guys like uh, you know Hans Zimmer or uh, um, Trevor Rabin or Harry Gregson Williams or John Powell. You know, um, just a little more of a hybrid kind of score, and and I so I guess in terms of that. Uh, Bad Batch is definitely a hybrid score, but I feel uh, with our introduction, I mean, we did that at the end of, of Clone Wars quite a lot, and I don't know, maybe maybe it wasn't noticed. I, I know it was noticed in, in the very last episode of Clone Wars, because it, that's all electronic in the, uh, the, in the graveyard with Ahsoka and Darth Vader picking up the lightsaber that's a completely electronic score and that's the first time that had been done in star Wars. Uh, so, you know, moving forward into bad batch, we're continuing with that kind of hybrid feeling. Um, but I feel like it's moving forward in a different way. So I, I don't really feel like it's more like rebels.
3: No, sorry. I, I hadn't just meant the music I meant in terms of the, the feeling of the Clone Wars, that that, that oh. was something that we seem to have um, that was picked up on, certainly in Ireland. That um, that that it sort of, as you said, it was a mishmash, and it was the best of both worlds.
2: Yeah, well, I, I mean, you know, stylistically, it looks more like Clone Wars than it does Rebels. Um, I think just in terms of tone, it's a little, it's a little older, uh, it's a little more adult, um, not totally, but. than than Rebels uh, was. So it it shares that with Clone Wars as well. I mean, really to me, Bad Batch is, is kind of Clone Wars Part B and not in a bad way, just like this is where we're going. This is our future.
3: It's a great way of describing it. Kay, have you got any questions for Kevin so far?
0: I'm always like super interested to find out about people's like inspirations and especially like growing up, did you have any musical heroes or anything like that? Well, yeah,
2: growing up, my musical heroes, I'm a guitarist, so they're, they're all guitar players. Um, so there were, nice. you know, I was huge into Led Zeppelin um, and uh, Yes. So I, I would say Jimmy Page and Steve Howe from Yes were big influences. Um, and even blues, I was really into B.B. King and, um, and even before, like Albert King. Um, and uh, let me think. Yeah, that was, I mean, I, I grew up really kind of at the beginning of heavy metal. I, I would not say I was a heavy metal guy at all, because, I mean, the groups I, I consider, you know, like Led Zeppelin and Yes, um, they're more, you know, kind of progressive or something, although that has a bad connotation to Mm -hmm. it too. But that was, you know, Yes was one of the very first groups to sort of blend a classical sensibility. You know, Queen did it too. Uh, Brian May was just, I mean, is amazing to me, still is amazing to me. Uh, So yeah, that was, uh, there was a guitar player named Dwayne Allman with the Allman, Allman Brothers, you know. I mean, that guy died at 25. And his his guitar solos are just magical. And I, I learned quite a lot of those verbatim when I was growing up.
0: Wow. That's so yeah. cool. So was there a point like when you had this love for music, was there a point when you realized, hey, I want to be a composer?
2: <laughs> it, it was a little bit of a progression. I mean, I was told by my parents that I couldn't a musician you know they really encouraged me um you know my my dad bought me a fender stratocaster which at the time was you know for us was pretty expensive we were pretty poor um not not dirt poor but you know i couldn't really even have in high school i couldn't really even have levi's jeans because they were too expensive i had to get these from Sears and Roebuck or Montgomery Wards and things, you know, that were cheaper. So getting, buying me a Fender Stratocaster was a big deal. Um, And and my mom, you know, she she let the bands I was playing with rehearse at our house in the living room and stuff. And, oh, we drove the neighbors crazy. So they were really supportive, but, (laughs) but it was clear, made clear to me that it was a dead end career. I would wind up playing in bars the rest of my life and, you know, and get five divorces and, you know, all these terrible things would happen. Um, so um, I went to UCLA, which is a great university in Los Angeles, and I was pre-med. I was going to be a doctor because those were I, I it was either doctor or lawyer. I had those two choices given to me um, and I was good at science and math. So I, I chose doctor um and then by about my sophomore year I started gigging around LA so I mean it was really fortuitous that I that I went to UCLA I'd actually applied to uh Notre Dame uh in Indiana and that would have been a disaster because I didn't get in I didn't get accepted to Notre Dame uh but then you know the musical scene probably wouldn't have been the same as in Los Angeles so started gigging then I got a job as a music director for a group that went to Asia and, uh, I dropped out my senior year. I, I had really high grades. I was going to go to medical school for sure. Um, and I dropped out my senior year after my, my fall quarter and did a new year's Eve gig in Jakarta, Indonesia and, and stayed on the road for about three years. Uh, and after that, so I never really had a music class in my life.
3: Well, first of all, Kevin, can I say, I think you made the right choice in your uh, in your, your, your career trajectory has sort of been <laughs> meteoric. You have truly reached the upper echelons you know, of your craft. As you said, there was talk of you only playing gigs in bars. From playing gigs in bars to being mentioned in the same breath as John Williams, that's a pretty spectacular trajectory to be on. Um What was that like in your really early days of learning and perfecting your craft with what you do? Talent isn't always enough. You need to put in some hard work and and hard graft. Was there a lot of that as well on the way to, to getting to where you are now?
2: Yeah. And first of all, I'd like to clarify something because actually one of my best friends from high school continues to play in clubs and has for the last 30 years, uh, although COVID's a drag for him. But I'm always now trying to get on gigs with him because I miss playing, you know? So, you know, there's nothing against playing in bars except for it's hard to make a living that way. I think that's that's the really tough thing about that. But um, yeah, I did put a lot of hard work in. And, and I mean, I think my whole life since, because I never had any music classes, um, I just, I've always been overcompensating for my lack of, academic education and uh, I s- continue to study scores I brought I bought John Williams's uh, score to Star Wars in the early 80s um, and it's all worn out and it was worn out from me just making notes in it and and trying to figure out how, what he did um, before I got the gig and I mean that's I believe it's one of the reasons I got the odd i i got chosen out of the audition there were five of us who auditioned for clone wars because i had studied john's star wars stuff for just 20 years already at that point and i knew it backwards and forwards i knew his you know his kind of his tricks his licks and his motifs and just his way of doing things and so it wasn't like I had to cram and study really quickly. I, I, it was just already there when they auditioned.
3: Well, out. I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding, Kevin. Some of the, the stuff that you have produced is nothing short of spectacular. And obviously the, the Clone Wars and the Rebel scores are mesmerizing. They are spoken of in such high esteem. And one thing that I've always wanted to ask you is there have been so many masterpieces within those scorings in particular um, Star Cluster Ahsoka Leaves, Thrawn's team being another popular one yeah. but are, some, are there ones that really resonate with you and that left an impression on you that maybe you think fly under the, the radar a little bit
2: first of all those three you mentioned are three of my favorites um, uh, you know there, there are things I think people don't know like there are three Ahsoka's themes and they were established early on for the feature film Clone Wars Uh, and on the soundtrack it's called General Loathsome slash Ahsoka and you can hear all three of Ahsoka's themes in that in that uh, cut and um, and I use those throughout Clone Wars and 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 Rebels you know um, so those are things I think people don't I think people know that there's the main Ahsoka's theme and that is the big one. And they use that Mandalorian and stuff, but those, I, I'm really happy with the other two as well. I think they have good melodies. Um, another thing I really like is, um, it's called the galaxy divided again on the original soundtrack. Uh, and that happens right after the John Williams theme that I, I rearranged, uh, and it's under the announcer when he says war, rah, 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 you know, in the old timey announcer <laughs> voice. Uh, and I, I was, I, you know, what I'm most happy about that is I, I think that's my voice. It's, it's me, but it's kind of in the John Williams style that he established. You know, I, I, I think I accomplished that the best or not the best, but that was, and it was really early on that I did that cue. Um, I, so I like that one. I, I like a galaxy divided.
3: It's, you know, we could go on and on listing the, and giving honorable mentions to so many, but I think from that, and it's something that you said, you know, I had to do this with a John Williams piece. I think hasn't uh, Dave said that you had an incredibly difficult task with creating these beautiful compositions because you were essentially following in the footsteps of John Williams. You know, the, the early days of, whether it was Clone Wars and Rebels were started off very, john williams like and then you were able to put your own unique spin and twist on it what was it like trying to find that balance between sticking with stuff that felt very very familiar and nostalgic while at the same time giving it your own making it your own i should say
2: there there are two two aspects to it first of all rearranging the star wars theme is the most difficult thing I've ever had to do and I'm I'm not completely happy with what I did and the reason I'm not completely happy is is with it is because I wouldn't be completely happy with what anybody did and I, because John did it right the first time and I told George Lucas this and it, early on I, I really resisted rearranging that theme because you know John wrote a pe- perfect piece of music it's sort of like a, you know out of amadeus not not a note out of place, you know, one of those things. And and so even to change a cello line in that, it, it will diminish it because he just did it the correct way. And that's the way the theme should be forever. Um, so anyone who has to rearrange that theme will diminish that theme, in my opinion. Um, and I, I didn't enjoy that. And um, I think I accomplished, my biggest goal was to not ruin it. And I think I accomplished that, you know, when when I uh, when I did that. But it was it was super hard. Um, on the other hand, what I just talked about when I went to write like a SOCUS theme, when I went went to write a Galaxy Divided, it came really naturally and it wasn't difficult. And it continues not to be difficult. So I think I have a little bit of that, you know, the John DNA in me. Uh, I I certainly have more of my dna uh but i i think i'm able to balance that and it's it's really not that hard for me uh what's what's the hardest is is rearranging his melodies because he he arranged them so perfectly
0: i have a question yeah (laughs) have you met mr williams i have
2: i've met him twice
0: do you have any good john williams stories well
2: it's sort of a good story uh i uh (laughs) I never spoke to him. I, I First of all, I, I met him before I was doing Clone Wars. Uh, and it was at awards dinners where I, I think I was receiving an award for CSI Miami and he was receiving an award for, I don't know, Memoirs of a Geisha or something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, we were both kind of um, posing for the, the photo of all the, the awardees at the end of the thing. And... I made sure I got next to him and and I just told him, you know, that he was, he was my hero and that I'd studied him and, and I admired him and I, I, I just, I really appreciate his work. And, you know, he gets told that every 10 seconds. Uh, and, and, you know, he was gracious. He was, Oh, thank you very much. So, you know, I didn't want to blabber on anymore. So we started talking about, you know, how was the chicken and, uh, Yeah. Yeah. So I think the chicken was kind of tough that night. Wasn't really that good. That's the big big conversation I had Uh, with John Williams.
0: That's an awesome story. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That's so cool. So Gary, should we ask some of the social media questions or do you have anything else?
3: Yeah, I just had one for Kevin and it was one that that I want to ask since he brought up uh, John Williams, obviously Kevin uh, being your hero, Kevin. Has it ever sunk in that there are people who feel that way about you? (laughs) That you are their inspiration. You are spoken in the same breath. And may I add, you are in a very unique club for people who have scored Star Wars. I mean, we talk about John Williams, John, Michael Giacchino, just to name but a few. You are named in that category of the greats. You are musicians, heroes and composers, heroes. Has that ever sunk in or do you think it ever will?
2: Yeah, it's it's sinking in mostly because I'm doing interviews like this and you guys are telling me that. And I mean, you know, I met John Powell. Um, we were both nominated for an Annie quite some time ago. And I, and I understand, you know, his appreciation for what I did, which is really cool. Uh, I, met, uh, I know that Michael Giacchino has. Uh, is a is a fan of of the score of clone wars uh dave filoni told me that i haven't met michael Giacchino, you know, but and and other musicians you know i know that they, that yeah now i i know other people you know i mean i'm i'm 62 years old and so you know composers 35 40 year old composers are ha, grew up on clone wars not really the movies you know uh, and uh, that's a really trippy thing for me. So, so they kind of know Star Wars music as Ahsoka's theme, and 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 those kind of things, you know, and, and not not as I mean, they they know the movies because usually they're fans, and so they've watched the films. But the, their first exposure was my music, and that's that's really trippy. I mean, I, I can't. It's cool.
3: Do you want to read the Force M um, social media question there, Kate? And I'll take another one.
0: So I have a question from. King of the Mooners on Instagram. Uh, he says, what homage to other scores have you incorporated into your projects? I've caught the Jaws barrel chase and the Rocketeer ones from season two of the Rebel of Rebels and just wanted to know if there was more to, to look out for.
2: Well, I think there's a bit of a nod to Annie Morricone with, uh, oh, the bounty hunter. I just skipped my mind. Uh, uh, Bubba Fett. Um, what I, I I did kind of some Western things way a long time ago in Clone Wars uh, for Boba Fett. Um, other composers, yeah, I mean the Rocketeer was definitely a, an inspiration because it was a flying scene uh, with Hera. Um, I'm trying to think. Usually it's John. Um, I think there's been some nods to Alien. You know Jerry Goldsmith and and actually LA Goldenthal uh, in in some of the creepy things. I think that was in Rebels where there's some really weird planets and creepy caves. I, I forget what episodes they were. Yeah, so that's about it.
3: That's a that's a good one. Okay, I've got an interesting one here and I think we chatted a little bit about this um, before asking Kevin. Kevin, we have a question from, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, uh, Ben Safaldi. I hope you will ask Kevin about the recording sessions in Budapest, Hungary. Yeah, you know, so
2: I, I'm um, I recorded in Prague quite a lot early on uh, for Clone Wars, and um, then a friend of mine who actually is Hungarian but he's he's born in, in the United States uh, told me he was he was doing some sessions in Budapest and they turned out really good. Uh, Prague was getting super busy, so I tried and, and I and I went to Budapest. Uh, I toured the studio and listened to the to the orchestra there and and thought they were fantastic so uh i booked some sessions there and my wife and i went back to budapest because why not it's such a beautiful place and uh you know it's always nice to do a work vacation and then go tour europe and hang out at you know budapest is like kind of paris except not as expensive maybe um and so i i mean i i thought the strings in budapest were just fantastic the low brass and french are really really good um the musicianship is is you know up there with everybody and i will say that we are recording the last two episodes of bad batch in budapest um so we have 12 hours of uh, recording with uh, with that same orchestra, and they're really great. So that's that's a measure of how much I like them because I, I continue to use them.
3: That's amazing, though, and and it is interesting, kevin that you bring that up. and um, with respect to being a composer, how has COVID affected you? Um, in in terms of working with respect to social distancing and having to be in a bubble and things of that nature, can you essentially work with an orchestra over Zoom or video software, or how how would it work?
2: Yeah, I mean even. You know, in Prague, with Prague and Budapest, I mean, because we've done a lot more sessions since, you know, I mean, I've been to Prague 10 or 12 times. I've been to Budapest three to four times, Uh, but we've recorded, you know, maybe 20 times in Prague and 15 times in Budapest. So a lot of those already were over. uh, It wasn't Zoom, but it's a Pro Tools uh, Source Connect is the name of the program. It works really good. It slows things down a little bit. Um, there's a time lag. And, you know, you're not there with the guys. You can't go out and take a pencil out and, you know, show somebody something. Um, but, you know, it, very close to the, you know, it, COVID really had, didn't affect me that much. You know what COVID affects is when I do a session in Los Angeles because now I got to get tested. And everybody in the orchestra has to be tested. It's very difficult to book the sessions. I mean, we're doing it and we're doing a great job with it, but logistically it's a bigger problem actually than Prague or Budapest is. It's
3: um, like, it's, it's incredible to, to think that with all this going on, all these big major productions are still going on and the amount of planning and regulation that has to be followed to allow you to, to do your work. But, you're obviously still doing it flawlessly i mean the the reaction to the the scores in the first two episodes of bad batch have been incredible and it's a testament to to you and everything you well, are thank doing thank you thank which you very much it sort of begs the question i think kate and i think kate we sort of chatted a little bit about this before um Kevin, you have reached the upper echelons of, of your, your field and your craft. There, there's absolutely no debating that in any way, shape, or form. But having been nominated for multiple Emmys and winning multiple BMI um, awards, what is it that drives you? What is it that just keeps driving you on to succeed
2: even more? Well, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm driven to su- succeed, although it's really nice to be employed. Uh I just love music, you know. I—it's I, funny. Uh, during COVID, I started practicing piano way more than I used to. Maybe hour, an hour and a half every morning. Um, and it's just what I do. You know, I don't think I'll ever really retire. I mean, look at John. Uh, you know, he's well into his eighties and scoring big feature films. And that—you know—that's a lot of work. Uh, but. I th- I think you know you I'm I'm kind of addicted to it. I mean, it's part of the reason I I dropped out of UCLA and and at at what I thought was my peril, uh, you know, my future financial stability, the peril of my future financial stability, because I just had to do music, you know, I I there, I, I, I just had to. It, it's it's um uh, it's in my my bones, you know? So even if I'm not working, I'm always doing something with music.
3: It is incredible, Kate, isn't it? Because um, Kevin, as we were talking to your assistant, Peter, who was is, who is amazing, we are lucky at Blabber that we have a very close relationship with Ireland's uh, National Symphony and National Concert Orchestras. Any of their Star Wars slash John William events here, we're we're always very, very lucky to help them out. And sometimes we get brought behind the scenes to you know, speak to the composers, w- watch rehearsals and things like uh, of that nature. And the workload that composers put in and the attention to minute detail is just mind blowing. And it seems like it's a constant evolution, a profession where you are always trying to perfect your craft and add another string to your bow.
2: It is. Um, you know, I've been really fortunate that I've, I've done a lot of uh, variety in my career. I mean, I'm, I'm currently scoring Narcos Mexico uh and uh titans and bat i am titans and doom patrol for hbo max um those are great live action shows and and those are really uh super electronic those ones narcos mexico is very acoustic uh and i co-write it with academy award-winning composer gustavo santo alaya i i co-write titans and um Bad Batch with Clint Mansell, you know, Requiem for a Dream, one of the, you know, Noah, great, great composer. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm growing all the time. You know, that's that's the cool thing about collaborating. I, I collaborate a lot uh, and I wouldn't have it any other way because I've learned so much from other guys. Um, and it's, you know, and it kind of becomes part of my vocabulary after that. Um it's, it's just really, it's eye-opening, it's, it's invigorating too. I mean, 38 years I've been doing this and I'm still being pushed. I, I'm, I'm working with another composer uh, right now. I can't really mention the project or anything, but really, really good composer uh, on a, on a you know, A-list feature film. And I really am having more trouble uh channeling him then i have way more trouble actually than than i do john williams which you you would think john williams is the hardest but this guy he's so unpredictable but in a really cool way and he does so so many interesting things so i mean just the last like four weeks of working with this guy and i'll be able to mention it you know in a couple of months when the movie comes out but um it's a great growing experience for me. Just real, I mean, just really, really freshens fresh my perspective, I guess. Hey, wh- hey, one one more thing. I, I have to before I forget, I have to give a shout out to a good Irish friend of mine. Uh his name is Eamon O'Gorman. Uh, he's he's a priest, and I don't know what his parish is, but I know that. He has a family pub in Kilkenny and uh, I visited him and stayed with him and he's a great musician. Uh, so I was playing all kinds of Irish songs with him and he was playing, you know, uh, I was playing guitar. He was playing guitar and then he was playing penny whistle and he has a like a bass penny whistle or something like that. And oh, great musician. So hi to Amen.
3: Kevin's <laughs> no stranger to an Irish Kaylee, Kate. That's amazing.
0: There you go. <laughs> Um, so you kind of talked about your upcoming projects and everything, and I know there's like NDAs and things like that, but is there anything else that you can tell us that you have coming out?
2: Yeah, there's a really cool one. I think the trailer for it's coming out, uh, May 15th and it's called Trese, Tresse, T-R-E-S-E. Uh, it's an animated uh, series on Netflix and it, it is, uh, it, it takes place in the Philippines. I, I married a, a Filipina when I was on the road, uh, in uh, 38 years ago, uh, and we got married in Manila. Um, and I always say I was the only white guy at the wedding. I, there was one other guy who played, who played the organ for me. He was an entertainer at the club I worked at. Um, he was American as well. It was just me and him. Uh, my family was not able to make it for mostly because of poverty. (laughs) They couldn't afford the plane ticket, but, uh, so my children are half Filipino and it was really a great experience because it's, it's, this, this show is, it's very adult. It's not a children's it's a horror animation, like really, really intense horror.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's
2: super cool. Um, uh, and it, it, all this is real Filipino mythology. It's funny because we, we were telling my wife, Oh, there's this guy and that guy, there's this thing. It's kind of an, uh, a Filipino leprechaun. Um, they call it duende, and uh, it kind of dwells under in the sewers or in haystacks, or if you're in the fields or something like that. And she's like, Oh, yeah, I know about duendes. And so. <laughs> You know, it was great for my boys because they co-wrote that with me uh, to be able to, you know, explore their heritage a little bit. Um, we recorded some indigenous vocals back way out in the boonies uh, on the rice terraces in the Philippines. Um, cool. So, yeah, that's coming out. I don't know. I think when the trailer drops on the 15th on Netflix, they will say what the release date is. I, I imagine it's sometime in June, but I'm not sure. Cool. That's awesome.
3: Is that always a special is that always a special thing, Kevin, being able to work with family? It's
2: amazing. I mean, it's it's unusual, you know, it doesn't happen with composers very often. I mean, if you have a bakery or something, yeah, maybe, you know, your, your kids might you, you, you might pass that down to uh, generations. But, you know, I never thought that would happen with me.
3: It it must it must be incredible, especially some of the the project that you've worked on together and what you have achieved. Would that definitely be your uh, your personal highlight in your career, or would we be putting you on the spot if we had to say what was the the gig? Yeah,
2: that no, for sure that that is the, my personal highlight. I'll tell you when things happen like Thrawn's theme, which was totally written by my oldest son Sean. You know, my input to Thrawn's theme was basically I walked in. We, we have uh, adjoining studio rooms and, and, and that I've had built and I walked into his studio and he says here this is what I'm doing because Dave Filoni had said use a uh, you know pipe organ and he played it for me and I'm like well, wow, that's great and then I walked out <laughs> to something else so that was my input into Thron's theme <laughs> and, and you know it's so gratifying that and, and also that when the fans react really positively and you know dave filoni everybody is so happy with something so it's not just me being a proud proud father and it happens time and time again um my youngest son dean big contributor in arcos mexico and hell on wheels and all those shows and you know in hell on wheels somebody the producer would turn to me and go wow that's a great guitar lick man and i'm like well that was dean that wasn't me you know (laughs) but
3: is there a a little part of you kevin that that stuff like that makes you want to up your game even more because they're on your tail there is
2: There, there definitely is and every once in a while there's a scene that we all want to write um and so sometimes like we did on ghost in the shell when we were helping out um plant uh there was a scene we all we both we all wanted to write the scene and my my sons worked on one version I worked on a different one and the studio wound up picking my son's version. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. Whatever. <laughs> There's been times when I win, but you know it, it's not really that competitive. Uh, it's it's more just a desire, you know, when a scene's really fun. It's like oh, I mean, like Ahsoka leaves, right? I mean, I, I was they weren't co-writing me, with me back then when I did Ahsoka Leaves. But if they had wanted to do that, I would have just said, <laughs> nope, that's
3: you were mine. You're putting your foot down. Um, Kate, I, Kate, I don't know about you, but I am absolutely blown away. Yeah. I really and truly am. This was awesome.
2: Well, it's really its it's been great to meet you guys. I yeah, you too. It.
3: No, it's been phenomenal to talk to you. And also, if you are ever back in Ireland there is an open invitation and also our friends from the 504th Legion Ireland Garrison and the Emerald Garrison we will show you the Irish hospitality that you haven't <laughs> seen yet believe I've
0: me. experienced it so, so you have an Emerald Garrison
3: <laughs> yes yes we do there's an Emerald Garrison and there's uh, the 504th Legion. I'm a, I, I'm a member of both so um E- there was equal excitement <laughs> over here hearing that you were you were appearing on our little show which is um which which is a huge coup for us in Ireland uh, this weekend we actually held the virtual uh, May the 4th festival um it's the biggest Star Wars festival in Ireland and we usually hold it in person every year down in Port McGee which was one of the filming locations where the cast and crew would go out to the Skellig Island Skellig Islands but um, unfortunately, due to COVID, we weren't able to, to do anything this year. So right. we held the virtual one and the, the reception was incredible and, uh, you know, much needed funds raised for various charities that we work with, including the Irish Cancer Society. So that was sort of our little take as well on wanting to do something special for May the 4th and to have yourself uh, just been incredible. And we really and truly cannot thank you enough. I can't imagine how busy you are to take the time out of
2: your day to to come and talk to us. Oh no, it's it's and and where is it that the orchestra when you have the Star Wars concert, is that Dublin? Or... Yes, it will be, it,
3: it, they, they would do little bits of traveling all around, but essentially the the sort of the John Williams ones and the Star Wars ones would be in the, they would usually be in the National Concert Hall. That's where um it would be. That would be where our, our RTE Symphony Orchestra and our RTE National Concert Orchestra, we have a symphony orchestra and a concert orchestra here in Ireland. So if you Google um the, the website, I think it's nch.ie, that's our, our National Concert Hall. Otherwise they would be in some of the other concerts uh, concert grounds uh, around the country
2: i almost recorded there um and it would have been i think u2 has a studio there right that's the big recording u2
3: studio, U2's studio right? is um outside of my house i i live where their their studio is um oh, literally yep. around the corner yes yeah, so it's um it's amazing but yeah that's where it would end that's that's where it's held right in the the, the heart of dublin
2: yeah, I, I, I wish I, I hopefully someday I'll I'll be able to. It didn't work out for it. Uh, it was a film and they had some kind of credit, tax credit or something in Ireland. And, and we were just about to record there and we were going to do it at, at that studio. And then it didn't happen. But I, I, it's on my bucket list.
3: Well, again, as I said, open invitation. If you come over to Ireland, we will show you a good time. And that is an absolute promise.
2: Well tell them we should do a clone wars. I've been answer, I've, I've been yes. doing a few of those and, and uh, they're pretty successful.
3: Kevin, I so. Kevin, you have me dreaming here. That's that that would be that would be just um sensational. On that note, just be before we let you go, where is the best place to keep up with um what you're you're doing and what you're up to?
2: My website's called kevinkiner.com. And I don't sell anything, but you can, I, I update it. And I'll, I'll probably put a link to this here, you know, and different interviews I've done. And, and also I, I release um, different snippets of music that I've, I'm working on uh, at times. I, and I don't charge for anything. You can just listen to my music. And uh, my song's is called Kiner Brothers. Is that on um, Spotify? Hey, right, th- let me ask my wife. I think, Merce? I think they are. Hey Merce. Sean and Dean, you find them on Spotify? As Kiner Brothers? Is it called Kiner Brothers? Yeah, it's called Kiner Brothers and they're on Twitter and Instagram. I I sorry, I'm I'm a I, I don't go on any social <laughs> no, media. No, that's so okay. And if, ever, and if
3: ever they want to come and chat Star Wars, th- there is an open invitation for them as well. Okay, great. I'll tell wow. them. Okay, okay, any any final words for the, the legend himself? <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> no, I, I don't got anything else. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming.
3: Kevin, again, this... Y- yeah we we really can't thank you enough Kevin honestly M um, for a, a small little podcast like ours in a tiny little country like Ireland to have somebody of your caliber take the time out of their day with all that's going on to come and talk to us is is what we love about this fandom and that there are genuine kind people in the fandom and I think Kate will agree with me when we say good things come to those who work themselves into the ground and good things come to those who deserve it and without question the success that you have garnered is 100% really and truly well deserved
2: oh thank you so much uh, and I had a great time so it's it's no trouble at all I love talking you ask my wife she'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> Kevin
3: there is nothing left to say other than may the Fourth be with you but as this is in Ireland Kate I think it's only fair that Kevin received the the official Irish treatment. Go
0: on, you're the Irish one.
3: Oh, yeah, Kevin. We will merely say to you, uh, thank you and may the force be with you. Which is, there you go. Thank
2: you very much.
1: All right, we hope you've all enjoyed hearing from Kevin, he's such a nice guy so thanks again to him for chatting with us all those months ago oh
3: absolutely and again as we said kate this was an absolute dream for us to be able to do um we never ever actually thought it was possible and an enormous shout out to kevin's assistant peter for all that he did for us in setting this up just just a dream interview for us and an opportunity to hear from a real master of their craft and i think everyone would agree that when we think of star wars royalty kevin is right up there with the best and there's absolutely no doubt in in my mind about that
1: 100 very good stuff all right we're going to keep it short and sweet for this last episode be sure to follow us on all the appropriate social media sites you can catch up on our previous episodes on anchor um am i missing anything
3: No, I think we're good. I think we've covered everything. May the force be with you and we'll see you all soon.